Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If so, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you. Aww. Along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use! Exclamation point. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours, too. Uh, so do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 148 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Saturday, July 13th, 2019. My name is Josh Cannon. I am here with my intrepid co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Doing good, doing good. Anything special? Uh, just Not really. Just been working a lot this week, so um, I'm going to work again. I'm going to go to work pretty soon after we're done recording, so... Yeah, another closing. I've been doing a lot of closing shifts today. I, I dealt with. The, I had some passive aggressive customer um, yesterday, last night. That was kind of funny. There was this older business guy, and he reminded me a lot of like Mister Rogers. And I wasn't putting something in the bag the way that he particularly wanted me to. Um, and I had already like halfway put it in, and I, you know, for me, I'm just like I. You know, I'm already set up to do it this way, so I'm not, you know. So he's all, like, asking me to do it, you know, some weird way, and I'm like, I, I you know, because honestly, when you work at a job like this, you're like, I don't really want to fucking do that. I don't have the fucking time for that shit. I got a line. And so he was, he's, he was just being all passive-aggressive about things. He was like, oh, no, yeah, that's great. That's That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. What was it? Go ahead and ignore me. You know, like everyone else does. Yeah, good. What What was the thing? He really made my day. <laughs> what was the thing um, that he was wanting you to be so delicate with? It's just, just like, um, some styrofoam or something. What the, what yeah. the fuck? Styrofoam? Uh, like, that, that shit is not, uh, delicate by any means. I know. Okay. I know. That's bizarre. Now, I'm, yep. I'm assuming you get an, empl an employee discount there, right? Yeah, a little bit. Do you ever buy anything from Michael's? No. <laughs> I, wow, I, I want to, okay, there's one time I got... I, actually, I was thinking about getting some batteries. Oh, but, no, I did. I actually did buy some batteries. I bought some uh, kind of uh, watch batteries because they're for one of my remotes. Because um, they're like the round uh, uh, disc batteries. Oh, so yeah, I bought those, some of those. wafer That's batteries. Only, other than stuff from the vending machines in the break room, no. That was a very that was a very fast initial no when I asked you that question. I was like, "Have you ever bought anything, Michael's?" And you're like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because I don't really. I love working there, but it's just one of those things where I'm not a very crafty guy. So, I'm cra I'm crafty in other ways, not not with crafts. I hate the smell of those places. Like, uh, I don't know about Michael's, but those craft stores always have this weird 
It's like there's like a cinnamony kind of smell because they no. all they have some kind of we don't we don't we don't have that right now. I mean, there are some candles and stuff, but they're sealed up. Um, there are some uh, during the holidays. It tends to kind of have some more of that kind of smell. That drives me nuts because it ends up. Uh, I think I'm allergic to some of those things, some of the stuff in some of those uh, cinnamon stick bundles or whatever the heck they are that we sell in the holidays. So. I think I'm just allergic to something in the store, period, because I sneeze more in the store than I do, you know, usually anywhere else. I think it might have to do with, like, they got all the old stock in, so, you know, there might be some residual mold or dust in the air or whatever. It's like any time I've ever been to an older person's house, just all the stuff they have, like, on their shelves and just everywhere, just all the decor... I'm like looking at this shit going, this is this is all stuff you would get from a craft store. <laughs> There's some cool stuff at craft stores, too, for the most part. But I mean, uh-huh. like, it's just I don't know. Yeah, we have some stuff over there right now. that's pretty annoying. Like we already have our Christmas ribbon out. Um, and we already have a lot of our fall stuff. Well, I can and, see fall, I guess. But Christmas. And, and, and we have like uh, we have these giant scarecrows that are like standing next to the doors and I hate them because I, you know, late at night I vacuum the front and like, I, I forget that they're there. So I look in the corner of my eye and I see, you know, what is clearly looks like somebody standing there. So you're like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh, it's just fucking scarecrow. <laughs> they're dumpy looking too. They're not like cool or anything. And they're like $600. Like who the hell is going to spend $600 on these dumpy looking scarecrow? Oh my God. That's, pricey <laughs> it's crazy as how easily the human brain is it, it like even though like logically because like th- this happens to me anytime like so the, i go to this halloween store well it's more of like a makeup costume store or whatever and, yeah. and i buy some like face paint so it's like from, spirit but not not yeah really. it's a little bit higher end than a spirit uh-huh. of halloween pop-up store it's it, so i go in there and they have this this mannequin of this like butler but he's like all ghoulish looking yeah and like i walk right up to the the mannequin's face and it's weird how mentally even though like like logically you know this isn't real there's still that 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 like deep bur- like deep buried sense that that you think that that it's real on some level like it's gonna uh-huh. jump out at you and go ah you know or something like that yeah. like there's that weird like part in your brain like for caveman part where you still like mannequins and and uh yeah. Yeah, that you think that it's I don't know it's like uh, you're conditioned to. Well, it doesn't help that the scarecrow is actually, for the most part, human height. So when you have when when it's it's you know the right height for a, a human being and it looks like it has shoes on and shit and it's wearing pants that doesn't you know that definitely can uh, trick your brain so to speak. But you'll get used. You want you know eventually you get used to it and then it's not even really big deal but it's a new sort of thing we've only had them up for like the past few days back in the day uh when i was doing this band uh the, which was a precursor to yoy or, or to dancing with ghosts actually the, uh-huh. the previous band was called yoy um yeah, what kind of okay why <laughs> i don't know man whatever it was kind of a stupid name but you know whatever 
But anyway, like it was me and a female vocalist and like uh-huh. our whole onstage shtick was going to be having these mannequins up there. I don't know why that was like the gimmick that we That's landed on. Turn off. I don't know. <laughs> it would have been it would have been different. But I mean, like because it was just going to be me and her on stage. We weren't going to have like a drummer or anything. Yeah. Um, so we're like, oh, we'll get these mannequins and we'll have them on stage and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, she bought these mannequins and she kept and they're like legit, like retail quality mannequins. Uh-huh. And she kept them in my uh, garage at the time. Oh. Dude, the amount of times I would open the garage and turn the light on and just see a figure, it, it, it would scare the shit out of me like that. <laughs> happened it was like motherfucker i know there's a mannequin in there but it still like freaked me out all the same because it was like you just see a human figure you know and it's, it's like the fight or flight yeah thing. yeah exactly i it's think like, it kind of triggers that yeah it's like this primitive wiring that i can't override with my logic you know it's crazy it was crazy when that happened but um yeah before we get into the uh the cases that we're going to talk about which are uh well one of them isn't necessarily heartwarming but the other one surely is we're definitely gonna have well it kind of is yeah it's definitely a reprieve from that bullshit we had to talk about last week that that made me and mike both feel dirty and just bad um before we get to that I'd, i'd like to just have a a a uh a person to person moment here on the podcast and 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 just have like our our version of the view um, and I'd like to discuss something that a situation that happened to me, not today, but, um, I'll just explain. So I had this good friend and she was a female, right? And this happens a lot to me. I can't, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but in my own life, I've always been really good friends with females. Um, some of my best friends were women, um, well, girls really. Cause I was, we were all really young, you know, but anyway, um, so I've always just, you know, been able to have those relationships easily there was this one girl girl woman whatever that i was good friends with and um she started dating this guy and of course as what normally fucking happens to me when when i have when i'm good friends with females they you know fall off the face of the earth because um you know, the, the guy inevitably gets insecure about our friendship and this, that, and the other. And it's like, you know, they, so she ghosts on me and I expected it at this point in my life. This has happened to me so many times, you know, like I'll be good friends with someone. And then all of a sudden the texts stop coming in, the phone calls stop coming in. We stop hanging out. It's like, okay, another casualty of a, a relationship. I mean, it happened to me with another girl this, this year, uh, someone that I've known for, Many years she stopped talking to me because uh, her boyfriend didn't approve. And I imagine, you know, the entire time she's going to be with this guy, she's not going to talk to me. So anyway, this other girl that I'm talking about, um, I'll call her. I don't know, fucking I'll call her. Sam, Samantha. <laughs> there you go. I'm trying to not give her a name of any actual female that I know um she called me last Friday and she was like just wailing like she was crying sobbing just losing her shit 
and she's like oh my god Josh blah 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 and I'm like dude I'm like what's wrong blah blah and she's like I broke up with my boyfriend he's a piece of shit and this that and the other and ah, she's just like losing her shit and I'm like you know as a guy in that situation especially as a guy like me who like I don't I don't really like expressing emotions very much you know um some might even go as far as to say I have no emotions. So when somebody's being very emotional around me, like I don't, I'm not the best person. You don't know how to handle the emotional dump. Yeah, I can, I'm not the best person to, to to deal with because they they kind of want someone to bounce off of, and I'm I'm just kind of like this void that just like they're they're just throwing their feelings. Like, uh huh. Yeah, they're just yeah. throwing their feelings into this black void. And I'm just like, and like, I don't react on the same level that they are emoting. So she's like, ah, and I'm just like, yeah, that, that's, that's crazy, man. That sucks. And it sounds like I don't care, but I do, but I, I just can't ramp up to their level and be like, oh my God, Samantha, I'm so sorry. We're going to get through this. Like, I, I just can't do it because like the emotions aren't there. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, that that's a. Uh you know, that's fine. Everyone deals with those sort of things differently. I think if you tried to imitate, you know, tried to raise to that level, I think that would not go very well. well I, I think like that would just be, that would be worse than what you, what you gave, which was your honest reaction. If you like try to amp it up to her level, she might pick up on how fake that is and just be like, really? Is this a joke to you? You know? Yeah, sure. So anyway, I, I handle her that that day on the phone. I was on my way to get a sandwich, a turkey sandwich. You guys know how I love my turkey sandwiches. And you got a problem. No, it's not a problem. It's it's good. It's healthy. I'm going to get one after this podcast. I'm going to go to Larry's Giant Subs. Anyway, so I dive, I divert from getting the turkey sandwich. Um. I divert that and I drive around a na a random neighborhood on the phone because I see that she's, you know, how she needs my attention and she's really losing her shit. And she's like, I'm going to get Baker acted for this shit, blah, blah, blah. Because I don't know if she was trying to say that she was suicidal or I don't know what she was trying to say. And I was trying to get her to, like, just talk and calm down or even to laugh. And I finally got her to start laughing and then she went back to crying and I'm like, Jesus, her emotions are so volatile right now. And finally, like she kind of calms down and she's like, um, you know, this guy was such a piece of shit. And I don't know why I always end up getting with these piece of shit guys who are just these bums. And, you know, I, I want to be the fixer. I want to this that and the other and um it, it always fucks me over because they're just pieces of shit and i'm a, i have daddy issues and i know it sounds so cliche but it's true and i need to go and get a better therapist and i i, I gotta get my shit together i gotta be honest i'm getting exhausted just here <laughs> yeah man and, and i'm just like all right cool cool you know because i i thought i considered her a really good friend and with a really good head on her shoulders and she's been through a lot and she, you know she's one of my friends uh, she used to be addicted to uh, heroin and she kicked that and she's been clean and sober ever since. And so I'm like really proud of a lot of the strides she's made. I mentioned before about I had a friend who survived sex trafficking and now is a uh, advocate uh, against that. And, and, you know, this is that same girl. So she's got a really solid yeah. head on her shoulders. 
and and you know so and this guy that she's with is is a drug addict and he's haggard and just you know he's like in his 40s and he's he's a trust fund kid like his mommy pays all his shit but he's still this bomb who can't you know so it's like clearly she's like you know punching below her weight like fucking with this guy and so i was glad to hear that she was breaking up with him i'm like fantastic that's awesome and then on top of that i'm like oh cool i get my friend back we can start hanging out again she was supposed to come to my fourth of july party so then today I just hit her up and I, you know, cause she hasn't really been talking to me, but I'm like, you know, she needs her space cause she's going through this breakup. And so I message her, I go, Hey, how's it going? You know, how, how have you been? And she's like, you know, Oh, I've, I've been doing all right or whatever. And, um, let me see exactly what, how, how this all got started. Um, okay. Um, so I go, how have you been doing? And she goes, uh, we decided to work it out. I have quit drinking and yeah. I just decided to take a step back and work on my yeah. stuff and let him deal with his stuff. I have a new therapist this week. I'm actually sitting here now analyzing my goals and plans. And I go, oh, so you got back with him. Yeah, I see. I, I saw that coming. And she goes, yeah. And she goes, what are you doing? And then I kind of tried to make a joke. I said, none, none, yeah, like none of your business. She goes, ha, 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 okay. And then I said, I'm disappointed that you got back together with that guy. You know it wasn't the right move. And she gets all therapist on me. She goes, I understand. I get why you were disappointed, and I'm just trying to bring my life focus back onto myself and take other things less seriously and kind of back off putting so much focus on relationships. I'm feeling good about handling it this way. And I'm just like, I said, I mean, you just went on and on the other day about how big of a piece of shit he was. And she goes, yep, I know. Since then, I have been sober and doing lots of thinking, talking, writing, counseling, etc. And came to this conclusion I am at now. I appreciate you being a friend to me while I was at my worst. The lowest low in years, actually. I feel like you're probably over talking to me now. Hope you aren't pissed at me. And I go, and I just, at this point, I did get pissed. I go, okay, and now that you've gotten your use out of me and cried on my shoulder, you're going to go back to ignoring me and being with your piece of shit boyfriend. Cool. I was a good friend, but you're not. And she goes, wow, I knew you were pissed at me. If I wasn't talking to you, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. And I said, yeah, I had to message you first. And she goes, cool, I suck. I didn't know if you would be mad, and I was already over people being mad at me this week. I said, the only time you called me this whole time was when you needed someone to talk to. Then I don't hear from you after that. Then come to find out you're back with this guy. And to justify it, you've, you're saying, oh, I'm going to therapy and this, that, and the other. It's whatever, man. It's just shitty on your part. That's all I have to say. I'm not mad. I just hate it when people do this shit to me. And she goes, I'm sorry that you feel I am a shitty friend. And I said, oh, my God, don't do that therapy talk to me. I hate it. She does this shit now. Like she's been going to therapy for so long. Whenever she handles people now, she does all this. Like, I'm sorry you feel that way. And I feel blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's like, bitch, don't, don't pull that therapy talk on me. Like be real. And anyway, it just ended with us basically being like, whatever, man, I'm done talking to you. You know, I basically said, I I just don't want to talk to you right now. And she's like, I'm sorry. I was shitty, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, basically pulling it all around, uh, folks, uh, don't don't let people uh, use you. Basically, if you feel you're being used like I was in that, like clearly she was using me because I was the one who answered the phone. Who knows how many other people she called 
before she finally reached me. But then as soon as she got back with her honey bunches, uh, Josh is no longer necessary anymore. Bye. No, I w I'll be talking to you again when I need you again. I hate that, man. People have done that shit to me a lot in life, and I see it now. I recognize it, and I know my value as a person, so I don't let it bother me that much, but it's just so funny when it's so blatant and in your face. Like, like I am blatantly using you, and now I'm not going to talk to you again because I don't need you. You filled a need for me at a time, and now you're no longer needed, so I'm no longer, you know, your friendship, my friendship will not be given to you. So anyway, that's something that just happened today that kind of pissed me off that i figured i'd have an oprah moment on the show today and yeah. just talk about that how did that uh -huh. how did that make you feel mike me sharing that um, story well if you want my honest opinion on that absolutely man that's what this is this is oprah i'm i'm a little indifferent on that because i don't have any experience with that kind of thing so it's just a lot of uh-huh okay yeah that's that's pretty lame yeah sorry about that Mike, you know, you're just a thing. typical man. You can't express <laughs> your feelings and emotions. Typical. Ah. Well, I can, but only if I relate to it. Like, if there's something that I can uh, connect to with it, but I I, I can't. All right, I can't really all right guys and gals out there, if you heard that story and you want to weigh in on my situation, am I in the wrong? Am I, am I being... Uh, uh, a, a I definitely do feel it sounds like you were being used and you should be like, hey, that's wrong. Like, what the hell? But like, other than that, you know. Yeah. Anyway, weigh in, guys, on that one. So anyway, let's get to these cases. These are some unsolved mysteries, cases that are on the lighter side. Um, after talking about the BTK killer last week, uh, we are going to do the case of Joey Moss and the uh, World War II Truce, otherwise known as Friends of Fritz Finken. But uh, Mike's mm -hmm. going to start off with the case of Joey Moss. So Joey Moss is actually uh, a case that was recommended by Chris Rogers. So thanks, Chris. Joey Moss is a kid who uh, went missing. He was actually uh, taken uh, away from his mother by his deadbeat douchebag of a dad. Uh, apparently his father was like a really big fan of some football star named Albert Dubinian, which I've never heard of. I don't even know who the hell Albert Dubinian is. Uh, and I'm a football yeah, guy. Yeah, and you actually I, watch I, football, so if there's anyone who's gonna know about it on this podcast, it sure as shit ain't gonna be me. It must be, uh, some college star who never made it in the NFL. That, that's my, that's my best guess. So... He was given the name Dubinian because, uh, you know, his dad really liked that particular football star. He also had a nickname named Doobie, which is unfortunate. I get it because a Dubinian, but Doobie, you're going to call your kid Doobie. All right. So uh, seven-year-old Joey Moss is the son of Kathy Alter and Jerry Moss. They had met in 1983. She had just finished nursing school and he was a bricklayer working in New York City. In 1984, she found out she was pregnant and moved in with Jerry. However, he did not want to get married. That's not a good sign right off the bat. In fact, he told her he wanted as much freedom as possible. This caused problems with their relationship as she never came, knew what time he would be home. 
He would get angry at her if she didn't have dinner ready for him, even if he came out home hours late. Yeah, he basically wanted to, like, according to her, as she put it, he wanted to live like he was a bachelor still, a.k.a. sounding like, to me, uh, he still even wanted to, like, fuck around. Yeah. And, you know, like, yeah, this, I mean, what a piece of shit, you know. Yeah. But then secondly, too, it's like, Kathy, you know, come on, you know. Like why? Why would you marry just this guy? Divor- d- just divorce like, the guy, or don't or marry just him to begin break with. Him, don't marry him. In, yeah, don't marry him to begin with. Just break up with him. See, this is what pisses me off because this kind of shit still happens that nowadays. People are just well, like, well, some of it is religion related because the whole like, oh, you made your bed with this person, so now you must uh, consummate, uh, or other things where it's just like, well. You know, you make it work, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't get that. I've never gotten that. The whole thing where it's like, well, this is a card you were dealt. You know, you laid in bed with this man. You got pregnant. So you must get married. I think that's I, I think that's much to make it work. That's much less common nowadays. But de- like back in my grandparents time. Oh, yeah. That was that was like the law of the fucking land. If you mm-hmm. my grandma despised my grandfather and stayed with him until her dying day because that's just what you fucking did you did not get divorced back in my grandma's time it was so frowned upon mm-hmm. it was it was like you know marrying someone outside it's your cardinal caste. sin you know like uh but like the whole thing is it's it's a recipe for fucking disaster because now you're gonna bring yeah. a kid into that that kid's going to get screwed up and then they're yeah. going to they're going to do this they're going to re- most likely repeat the same pattern. Yeah. You know, I hate that. I don't like it either. It, it, it's it, and and there's other instances too where people get married because they have good sex. And all that is is that uh their brain chemistry is being changed because of all the different sort of you know uh uh adrenaline and other sort of uh stuff that's released. And th- a lot of that stuff does not uh, remain at the same level after a certain amount of time so after you know sex so once that happens and the and the chemical attraction isn't as strong all you have is some eh, you know the sex isn't as good and you don't have anything in common with this person other than oh uh he or she is hot and attractive but then if you don't have anything in common with one another then really what is the point why did you get married like why are you you're you're gonna be united for the rest of your life. That's that's the that's the gist of marriage, and it's like so many people, you know, just do this based on a sexual attraction and nothing else. Yeah, or or a preconceived notion of like what yeah. married life is and the fairy tale. Well, exactly. The fairy tale of like, oh, I can get married with my love, and it's gonna be this, that, and the other, and. I mean, you know, my, the whole thing is, man, you just got to really know someone before you get married. Yeah. You really have to know them inside and out. And That's why a lot of the people who get friend zoned, it's like, you know, maybe that might be your best mate. <laughs> your best match might be someone like that. I can tell you right now, if you're quote unquote friend zoned or you feel like you're friend zoned, if you really like that person, like you should still you should cherish that friendship because yeah, I exactly. can tell you what the longest relationship I I was ever in, which was almost two years, was with someone who initially friend zoned me. It was this girl named Caroline. Caroline, um, 
And yeah, she she literally sat me down one day, looked me in the eyes and said, I just don't see you that way. We're always just going to be friends. And shit, it wasn't a, a few months later. She started, get, you know, she started getting like she got real upset one night when I didn't call her because I called her every night. And she's like, I just don't understand why he's not calling me and blah. he's calling someone else. And her mom goes, Caroline, you have feelings for him. And she's like, no, I don't. And then like over time, she just was like, realized that like, holy shit. Like, no, I really do. Yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah. anyway. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, kind of tangent, whatever. It's kind of the Josh, uh, Josh's history. Josh's love, uh, love life. Josh's hour. love life. Uh, <laughs> um. So, um, they have reenactments in this, uh, and, uh, they are pretty funny actually, because the acting is pretty abysmal, uh, spe specifically from the actor who plays, uh, Jerry Moss. Like, it's really bad. Yeah. But like in, in a good way, in a so bad, it's good way though, in a lot of ways. Uh, cause the whole thing where he get angry at her if she didn't have dinner ready for him. It just doesn't sound like legitimate. It just sounds like some nice guy is just trying to act like he's a douche, right? Well, you know? I gotta report to you every time I want to go hang out. I do the, I do all the working around here. Is it too much to ask for me to want a hot meal when I get home? It's like, well, y yeah, jackass. When you don't let her know when you're coming home, what she's supposed to randomly guess, like she's psychic or some shit. And she's like, it was ready four hours ago. I don't know. So, yeah, yeah. I so on it. July 2nd, 1985, Kathy gave birth to a son. Jerry named the boy Debenian Joseph Moss after one of his favorite football stars, Albert Debenian, whoever the fuck that is. He gave him the nickname Joey. And according to Kathy, Jerry paid the rent. However, she alone was in charge of Joey's expenses. As a result, she had had to start working the evening shift as a recovery room nurse. During the summer of 1987, Kathy took on the added burden of painting and remodeling the kitchen. What? Why he, why he couldn't help with that, I have no idea, since he's Mr. Bricklayer. One day, she came home and was shocked to find that Jerry had written, Get more baby bottles and red crayon on the kitchen wall. I mean, what the audacity of this fucking guy. Right? Like, he's not doing shit for the most part, except fuck around, probably with other women, show up late. He's he should be thanking his lucky stars that like she could, he actually has a you know a, a relationship where you know he could, actually has a place this day you know I don't understand that 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 fucking that male that senseless male aggression like those guys who are just always angry you know yeah. like I think a lot of it is they're not in tune with their emotions like you've been saying like oh guys don't let their emotions out well I think these type of individuals. Uh, that's one of the reasons why. Like, they just have all the, these emotions bottled up. And because I got to be a man, I can't show weakness. I can't, you know, because they associate crying or showing emotion as some feminine thing. So they can't let that out. So it just builds and builds and builds. And it's just I mean, always even, simmering under the surface. It doesn't even necessarily have to be crying, but even just talking about something that's yeah, bothering you. Yeah, just talking you, about like, it. Yeah. Does, well, that's how that works yeah. wonders, you know? Like, and I don't understand what. They got no, they view that. Never mind. Don't worry about it. You know, hey, what's yeah. what's what's wrong? What's going on with you? Don't worry about it. Nothing. Weakness. It's like what the Weakness. fuck, man? Like what? They don't want to be shown as weak because it's viewed as some feminine trait to these to these individuals. Yeah, it's like fine. Enjoy your fucking heart attack at forty, tough guy. You know, because he bottling <laughs> yeah. in all your fucking emotions. 
I don't get it either because uh, communication is one of the keys to any relationship. And I think with relationships, the reason why a lot of them fall apart is because there's a lack of communication, whether it's with friends or with family or, you know, with loved ones. It's, you know, with your husband or your mate. Lack of communication is something that I've never understood because I overly communicate. Like some people might view that as a problem. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it is on some level, like overly, you know, telling people too much is definitely not a good thing because people will use shit against your ass sometimes if you tell yeah. if you give them too much ammunition. And that has definitely burned me on more than one occasion. Mm -hmm. But also like the just the 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 crudeness of the message too, like not like after not not yell at her like later. You know, when she comes home, it's like, get more baby bottles, you bitch. You know, not, not, not something like that. It's just like, get more baby bottles and fucking crayon. Yeah, I mean, you might as well have like, and smokes too, and some Bud Light <laughs> and pork rinds. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Pull my finger. Uh, so she had enough. Of course, at this in this particular uh, moment in time, he had not spoken to her in weeks, uh, but he, I guess he decided to speak to her in Cran. In late August 1987, she took Joey and left. She found an apartment 12 miles away in Verplank, New York. A few months later, she began dating Mike Alter. When he was in his last semester of medical school, they were married. Joey was the ring bearer. Mike was later accepted into a residency program in Orlando, Florida. Of course it's Jerry, Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry fought to obtain a restraining order barring Caffey from taking Joey out of New York. His court bid was unsuccessful, and according to the altars, he began harassing them in the middle of the night with phone calls. Let it go, man. Despite this, they still moved to Orlando in June of nineteen ninety. By then Kathy was pregnant again. Then just two months later she received a phone call from Jerry. He announced he was moving there too. Like, oh God. It's a nightmare. Like he just won't go away. <laughs> and you know what's funny is like it's not even about his son and him actually giving a shit about his son. It's about his ego. She took yeah. something that was mine, that bitch. I'm the one who has all the control. Like yeah, that's exactly. what it was about, you know? Yeah. The altars feared that Jerry would continue to harass them. However, they also hoped that, that him moving there would be a positive thing for Joey. On October 4th, 1990, he arrived there. I don't get that idea. Yeah, it's it's his father, his biological father. But, like, everything that you've experienced with this guy, why would you think that that would be a positive for the kid, let alone you or anyone else? Because, you know, for example, with my father, like, he wasn't like that. Like, he would, you know, he just, you know, they, my, me and my mom just didn't really, I mean, him and him and my mom. They didn't just, uh, they didn't click. So they got a divorce. Like, it wasn't like, oh, he's a fucking horrible person, you know, like this fucking douchebag. It's just, they just didn't get along. And there were some things about, you know, their personalities that just didn't mesh. So my dad moving up closer to me was, was good. That was a really good thing for me. And I, and I still feel that way. Um, but with this particular situation, I don't know why you would think that other than the, societal uh notion that's been pounded into your brain that oh his father you know it'll be really good for him to have his father here however they also hoped that it would be a positive thing for joey on october 4th 1990 he arrived there in florida he rented an apartment just two miles from the altar's home 
At first, everything went well between them. Then, on Friday, November 30th, 1990, he picked up Joey at school for his regular weekend visit. Other parents and teachers noticed that his pickup truck was full of household items. Yeah, that's a red flag. The, sol- the following Sunday, Jerry did not bring Joey home, and they had vanished. Five months later, a missing children's agency in Seattle received an anonymous phone call. Although the person claimed to be a friend of Jerry's, the agency suspected that it was him. He said Joey. He said that Joey was safe, and Jerry was sorry for that things happened this way. Um, when the agency employee asked for more information, the caller became belligerent and then hung up. And that reenactment is really funny with this one, where he's like, "What about the fathers, huh? You know, they, they, you know, I'm sick and tired of you know the father fathers not getting their due. You know that whole sort of fucking getting shit. drugged through the mud in the court system. Why? I mean, which is true. Like when it comes yeah. to the." Uh, custody nine times yeah, out of it, ten the dad does get the short mm-hmm. end of the stick the courts favor yeah. the females in, in most of those cases so i mean he does but, have a kind of a point there but i mean this guy was not uh this no guy. he says it in a way that's you know in such an asshole way that like it doesn't really register the same as if somebody because there are instances where some fathers like they legitimately might have been the better option Oh yeah, no, my ex-girl, one of my ex-girlfriends, uh, her, um, her mom was like a drug addict piece of shit and her dad was the responsible one who had a steady job. So he, you know, she, she has continued to live with him and her mom is just, just out there. Not, you know, so yeah, I mean, it does, it does happen. You know, uh, this guy certainly wasn't making his case as to why (laughs) he should have uh, any kind of custody over the kid. But yeah, the, the actor in this, yeah, definitely don't quit your day job, man. (laughs) I mean, cause, cause they, they, uh, the person on the other end asked him a question, you know, and he's like, why, why I'm tired of the fathers getting the short end of the stick here. That's why (laughs) the agency employee asked, uh, jerry for more information uh but he became belligerent and then he hung up it is not known where the call was made probably a a payphone somewhere at christmas and on joey's sixth birthday the altars wrapped presents and placed them in his room which is sad although there have been no leads since the seattle phone call they hope he will soon be back home and this actually does have a happy ending um because uh it's solved jerry and joey were found one week before the broadcast in socorro new mexico a viewer had seen a promotional announcement for it and recognized them. They had been living under the names Jerry and Mark Stagger. Joey was soon reunited with Kathy and Mike at an airport in Albuquerque, New Mexico. In Albuquerque. Uh, he also met his uh, half-sister Elizabeth for the first time. Today, Joey is actually a doctor living in Palmer, Alaska. Nice. We followed in his... What honestly is his real dad's footstep, if it's if you think about it? Um, I, I one thing I want to mention uh, uh, real quick about this segment is that this didn't really have an update, so I didn't really know about that until I saw the wikia. Uh, it was probably aired on another episode that we didn't have access to the update uh, for. But Robert Stack actually was talking. They actually mentioned like. He's a really big fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like... <laughs> yeah they, throw, they throw in that little, like, uh, you know, a fluff piece at the end, you know, yeah. tug at your heartstrings. Um, I'm like, so was I back then. <laughs> 
Yeah, Socorro, New Mexico is also a famous uh, UFO sighting there by uh, Lonnie Zamora, the uh, uh-huh. cop who uh, it, it's said to be one of the most well-documented UFO sightings ever. Uh, it was a really good UFO segment on Solved Mysteries. Did we cover that one? Uh, I want to say we've covered all the UFO ones at this point. Um, pretty sure we did, but if not, we definitely should. Um, I want, yeah, let me check the, our episodes real quick to see if we did. We've done a lot. We've done so many folks that we don't really remember exactly off the top of our head. Yeah, like I wanted to do Lost one. Dutchman's Mind this week, and then I searched, and it's like we did that. Oh, one. we did that <laughs> one. Okay, cool. Socorro. Uh, I don't know. It's not coming up. Maybe we didn't do that one. Is it under Lonnie? No, I wouldn't have named it Lonnie. I know for a fact I would have named it Socorro Close Encounter. Maybe it's one that you might have done on on Patreon. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have burned. I wouldn't have burned yeah. such a good segment on. Not saying I. <laughs> not saying I only cover <laughs> shitty cases on Patreon, but um, that's such a good one that it would have to be for the main podcast. Okay. Well, it looks like All we right. have a fucking UFO one that we haven't done. I guess. Good. All right, moving right along. I don't have anything else to say about Joey Moss, except I'm glad that he was reunited with his uh, family uh, that is not going to treat him like just a another piece of their ego, because that's really all that was going on with his dad. True that. All right, uh, the next case that we're going to talk about is the case of... Uh, well, I call it like the World War II truce, but it's the uh, Friends of Fritz Finken. And uh, if you can't tell, he he's obviously a German guy. Uh, this, this I remember watching... This is a really heartwarming segment. It's, like This is yeah. one that definitely put a smile on my face, because this is really something that encapsulates the you know, human spirit. The wonderful aspect of you know, the human spirit. Yeah. I remember watching this one when I was younger, like when it actually, well, I, th- I think it was a Lifetime rerun when I yeah, first Yeah, I remember saw it. seeing the Lifetime rerun of this too. Yeah. But yeah, I just remember thinking that it was an amazing um, case. Uh, it, it is technically a Lost Love one. But it sounds like a Lifetime original movie script, you know, yeah. it doesn't sound like it actually happened. And it, w- you know? it would be hokey if it was uh, a made up premise, but the fact that this actually happened makes it all the more... Uh, incredible. So in 1944, when Fritz Vinken was just 12 years old, he and his mother, Elizabeth, were moved by his father, Hubert, to a small cabin in, in Adernes. Ad- Adernes? Anyway. In Ardennes. Ardennes, whatever. Ardennes. Ardennes. I think it's Ardennes. Yeah, it's Ardennes. You're right. Ardennes. Hubert, a baker for the German army, had moved them there to be protected from the fighting during the Battle of the Bulge. On Christmas Eve in 1944, Hubert had still not returned, but Elizabeth tried to make the most of their situation. She made a Christmas meal out of a few potatoes and a small rooster. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me, but uh, suddenly there was a knock at the door. Well, because you don't normally hear people eating roosters, yeah. right? It's like a very random, like uh, some potatoes and a small rooster. <laughs> suddenly there was a knock at the door. Three American soldiers were outside. One of them explained that their friend had been shot and asked if they could come inside. Elizabeth agreed, and she had them place a soldier on a bed. Now, she didn't speak any English, and they didn't. the Americans didn't speak any German. So he was, at first, like, 
Uh, can we come inside? And I'm guessing that there was just a lot of gesturing that had to happen in the reenactment. Even though they said she didn't understand English when he asked if they could come inside, she, she, you know, let him in. But I'm thinking like, you know, can we come inside? There's a lot of awkward, you know, like hand motions. Yeah, because, uh, can we come inside <laughs> in English sounds nothing like, can we come inside in German, which would be, uh-huh. uh, wir draußen kommen. Uh, which sounds mm-hmm. nothing like can we come inside but uh so yeah anyway um uh blah 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 she knew that harboring the enemy was punishable by death which the americans obviously were the enemy um but she was willing to take that risk to help them which shows what kind of character she has as a person mm-hmm. uh, honestly this whole segment it, it really uh they don't really drive the point home enough but uh, this is really about just how amazing of a woman Elizabeth was. Oh, yeah. Um, the fact that she did all this and, and, and was basically this peacemaker. Um, the injured soldier had been shot in the leg and had lost a great amount of blood. Elizabeth and Fritz did everything they could to help. Soon, one of the soldiers and Elizabeth realized that they both spoke French. He explained to her that they had lost track of their unit and had been walking through the Ardennes for several days. Ardennes, whatever. She tried to make the soldiers feel as comfortable as possible. Shortly after that, there was another knock on the door. This time, there were four German soldiers. One of, one of, <laughs> one of the soldiers said that he had lost their unit and needed a place to stay. Elizabeth agreed to let them in on one condition. They had to accept her guests. And even in the reenactment, the German goes... Vas Americana or etwas, which means what are they American or something? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. yes, they are. And then they got you know in the reenactment. The reenactment was fantastic, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's a great reenactment. Really made uh, it made the story uh, that much better. Well shot, well directed. Uh, definitely looks like they built a set. Yeah, good good uh, acting uh, on the, everyone's uh, part. Or just used a cabin of, of some kind for for the particular uh, sequence. They always did a good job, too, with, like, the clothing and stuff like that for the World War II uh, reenactments, for the most part. There are some where you're like, eh, but, but this looks kind of more 50s and, and 40s. Or, or, no, it was one that looked like it was, you know, it was supposed to happen, like, in the 70s or later than that, and it looked like the clothes were from the 50s. But for the most part, though, their World War II stuff, they, had, they, had, they definitely had that on point. Yeah. So, um... She agreed to let them in, and they had to leave their guns outside. Um, so she then took the guns from the Americans as well, and the Germans yeah, like because for, the Germans come in, yeah, yeah, and the Americans still have their guns. And I bet yeah. I, if I was a German soldier, I'd be like, "What the fuck? We just been set up." Yeah, yeah. But then she takes their guns too, and it was you know really tense there for several moments. Um, of course, it would be, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, but then they kind of, you know, start nodding at each other and shaking each other's hands, offering one another cigarettes. And, um, you know, the- and then they just start to share common bonds with one another as soldiers in this horrible war. One of the Germans you know, both can of them want it to end. One of the Germans can speak a little bit of English so they can communicate that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that night, all seven soldiers, along with the Vinkins, sat and had Christmas dinner together. One of the German soldiers looked at the injured American soldier and gave him some first aid. Elizabeth said a prayer, asking for this horrible war to end and for Mm -hmm. everyone to be protected. By the end of the prayer, 
All the soldiers had tears in their eyes. Later that night, the soldiers went outside to look at the stars. They, gave, they each gave thanks in their own way. All the soldiers slept together that night under one roof. The next morning, the German soldiers helped create a makeshift stretcher for the injured American. They also gave the American soldiers directions back to their unit. That same day, Fritz and Elizabeth left with the Germans and were soon reunited with Hubert. Five months later, the war ended. In the early 1960s, Fritz immigrated. Oh, and by the way, this happened on Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's a. I know we mentioned that earlier, but like that just makes it even more. Uh, you, a lot of people consider that to be schmaltzy, but in a lot of ways that just makes it even more perfect. You know, and that's one of the bigger. That I think that's another big reason why this actually ended up working out as well as it did because uh, the Germans also apparently uh, definitely understood the spirit of Christmas. And so when you had the the mother Elizabeth is like you know this is Christmas you know we, we, you know we don't no shooting you know no shooting on Christmas like we don't really that's not what this is all about this holiday right I think the kid helped too oh yeah when you have a kid so uh, Fritz emigrated to the United States today he is American citizen living in Hawaii. Like his father before him, Fritz owns and operates a bakery. In 1966, his mother Elizabeth passed away. Uh, that sucks. Uh, Fritz is now searching for the soldiers from that night because of the miraculous and emotional time that they spent. And apparently this story was, because Robert Stack had a little bit of context before the reenactments, he mentioned that it initially appeared in a, uh, was it, um, family? What is that? What is that? There's that... Trying to remember the name of it. It's some. It's a. It's a magazine that used to have like all these oh, different sort of stories in it. Reader's Digest. So it appeared in Reader's Digest initially, and then there was like uh, it was actually mentioned in a speech by Ronald Reagan. Yes. And I also want to mention uh, real quick uh, the acting in this segment is all in this reenactment is also quite good. So it's not one of those reenactments where the acting is kind of bad, like the last uh, segment we discussed. Um, kind of takes you out of it a little bit, and it comes across as kind of an amateur hour. But like you can, it, it can be entertained by it because of you know how amateurish it is. But this was quite solid, and 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 uh, I, I couldn't really point out any really bad performances. Well, it was like that age old thing that they say that uh, John, John Cosgrove uh, would say that uh, any time that there was a lot of like heavy narration by Robert Stack on a reenactment, that's how you knew it, the actors were bad. But any time there wasn't much narration by Robert Stack, that's when the actors did good. So if you're ever watching a reenactment on Unsolved Mysteries and there's a lot of narration over the reenactment, that means the actors weren't really that good. Um, so, yeah, it, no, this was good. So anyway, mm -hmm. this case was solved. Uh, Eldridge Ward, uh, he was a viewer who worked at a retirement home, recognized Fritz's story as one told by a 75-year-old resident named Ralph Henry Blank. In 1944, Ralph had been a sergeant serving with the U.S. Army in Belgium. Ralph and Fritz soon spoke on the phone where Ralph vividly recalled the night in the Ardennes, Ardennes that he had spent with Fritz, Elizabeth, and the other soldiers. He even still had the map and compass that one of the German soldiers gave him. On January 19, 1996, Fritz and Ralph were reunited at Ralph's retirement home in Maryland. The reunion occurred just one day after Ralph and his wife's 50th wedding anniversary. Ralph's daughter-in-law cooked them the same meal that Elizabeth Vinken made back in 1944, 
chicken soup. Fritz was also reunited with another one of the American soldiers soon afterwards. They didn't say that in the in the update. No. Nope. It is not known if any of the German soldiers were located. However, it was noted that the German army had a high casualty rate in the final months of the war, leading Fritz to believe that they may have died in battle. Fritz Finken eventually passed away on December 8th, 2001, with Ralph Blank passing away on May 21st, 1999. Damn, Fritz died young. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. But, you know, because of, you know, his his part in, in this uh, particular... And uh, Ralph's part, and, and the German soldier's part in this just re- remarkable, just wonderful story, uh, you could argue that they're going to live forever. You know, they're going to live on uh, for the rest of their, you know, for for the rest of time because of this story. Because it's such a timeless story. Well, hold on. Let me think about this. If Fritz was 12 in 1944, that means he was born in 1932. So if he died in 2001, he would have been, what, like 69? Yeah, he would have been like 69. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's actually not that young so okay i guess I'm, well it's still kind of well compared to now and he was a you know, little bit with, on with the, today's uh, medical you know advancements and stuff like that which were a little bit you know even back then compared to now uh people live longer so he, he was a little bit on the heavier side too so i would imagine mm-hmm. it was some kind of like heart related thing or something possibly yeah. Or he could have... So apparently, speaking of Lifetime movies, this actually was turned into a Lifetime original movie. Oh, God. Called Silent Night. Deadly Night. No, that's a different movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, um, the only thing that I, I thought about when I was watching this was, um, you know, the Americans are sitting there having dinner with the German soldiers and all that, and they're all friendly and all. But then there's also this undercurrent of... Mm-hmm. These Germans are fighting for this guy who killed like millions of Jewish people. Yeah. So yep. kind of even 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 at that dinner table, I'm like, oh, this is great that we're not like having that we're not battling right now. As an American, mm-hmm. I think I'd still be like, you pieces of shit. Like, you- well, I don't know. See, see, I think they probably might have initially thought that, but as soon as they got to know them, they they realized the similarities that they both shared, and the fact that, you know, at war, uh, you're 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 fighting for your country, and and there's a lot of stuff that goes on with that that you may not necessarily agree with, but you know, you're doing it for for the honor of your of your country and your countrymen, and. There were a good a lot. There were a nice. There there was a nice isn't the right word, but there was a good amount of German soldiers that more than likely did not really one hundred percent support what Hitler was doing, but they were, and, and they felt that it was their duty to, you know, fight for the honor of their country. So, uh, and there was others that definitely believed that, but I, I think there were more that became disillusioned with it by the end of the war for sure because they were just realizing how horrible it is uh for them and for really honestly anyone else involved in it and by the you know the battle of the bulge i think there's a lot of germans who were probably just like i just want this to be over i I don't want to fight anymore and i and i think those soldiers initially kind of felt i i think they felt that way and that's why that things that's another reason why things you know turned out so well if these are just a bunch of soldiers who were like from the SS or something, you know, like really, really die hard, like 
Nazis, you know, then yeah. Yeah, they, they'd, they'd, they'd rather like well. kill themselves before they sat at a table with an American. Because Hitler, yeah. Hitler deemed the Americans as a useless race because we had so many mixed races in our in our country you know we were Mm -hmm. we were not a racially pure country like you know like good old deutschland over there you know like we had you know just everybody fucking everybody and you know he hated that about our country Mm -hmm. really weird but yeah i mean war it brings out a lot of you know the worst things in people but in this instance it it brought out some of the best so i think that's an that's another reason why this story is timeless because very rarely do you hear that kind of stuff in relation to World War II. It's almost like if you put just normal people in charge, then everything would be fine. But it's these fucking sociopaths that get in charge and and create these wars. Well, it's also it's also the situation. Uh, Germany was uh, was in shambles after World War One, and the the country and its citizens were looking for something or some reason. Uh, to to uh, help them deal with the fact that they're you know devastated and 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 try to find a way for them to you know return to prominence. So when you have someone as charismatic as Hitler, who shows up on the scene and says all of these things that you've been wanting to hear, you don't necessarily know about what his true intentions are. But he's telling you everything that you want to hear, so you ultimately become really infatuated with him and end up on his side. It's happened with presidents in the United States. Um, you know, just you know that the such and such candidate, he he tells it like it is, and I like that. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously we're talking about Donald Trump and yes, he's very he's a very flashy over the top guy and and it that re- that really Well, I was talking about, you know, pretty I wasn't specifically mentioning Trump, but you know, that's that's a good example. But there are other presidents that a lot of other people could probably point out. Oh, well, that, that was the main similar. thing people were saying about Trump though. It was like he says what's on his mind, he tells it like well, it is. Well, people said that about Bush. People have said that about candidates going back all the way to the 70s. It's just a normal sort of uh, thing for a lot of people to to say about someone who's, you know, trying to take a rise into power. Yeah. I mean, Stalin was even uh, the right-hand man of... uh trying to think. Of, it was... Uh, Lenin? Lenin, yeah. Lenin, that, he didn't support any of that. Like, that was not his idea of what communism was going to be. If he had any idea or any inkling that Stalin was going to do that, he probably would have tried to have gotten him out of power as much as soon as he could. True. True, true. So yeah, this is a, this is a great story. The movie, I don't know, a hundred minutes of this. I don't know if you could really stretch this story out for a hundred minutes. It stars Linda Hamilton as Elizabeth. Linda Hamilton, uh, wasn't she the one who was in the Terminator? Sarah Connor. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah Connor in the Terminator. She was hot back then. So Linda Hamilton as, as Elizabeth. And apparently was nominated for a bunch of Gemini Awards, whatever those are. Yeah, I don't know what that is. 
Oh, that's all I got to say about uh, Earthing this week. I know it's a little bit of a shorter one. Uh, I'm fucking starving yet again. Um, this is why... You get that turkey sandwich early. This is why this always <laughs> happens, because Mike can podcast at 2. That seems to be a, a golden time for him. Well, 2 p.m. in Washington is 5 p.m. over here. So he start. We start. So you got dinner. Yeah, we start podcasting when <laughs> when I'm ready to you know think about starting to eat dinner. But that's when he can do it, and I'm I try to be flexible to his schedule. Now, if he did it at like eleven his time, it'd be three over here, and I wouldn't be as hungry. But I also realize that's kind of, maybe eat like a snack. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm, I'm back on a diet because I'm, I'm I gained weight from Fourth of July and all oh. that shit. So I'm trying to not He's drinking and all that other stuff. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not so much the drinking; it's the drinking and then having like you know lasagna after that. You know, yeah. <laughs> instead of having like something light and not uh-huh. you know calorie laden. So like a salad. Yeah, I fucking hate salads though. I th- they taste good, but goddamn, you want to talk about something that fills me up for thirty minutes and I'm hungry again? Salad is it? What kind of salads are you getting though? Uh, like you Caesar, can add stuff to the salad. All kinds of shit. You can add stuff to the salad, and then it wouldn't. Yeah, and you then know, it's then no longer healthy hungry. anymore. That now you've made it as fattening as like anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what you add to it. I I add pieces of glazed donut to mine. I don't know about you. <laughs> Uh, that might be where I'm fucking up. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, that sounds like a horrible concoction. Like salad, Caesar salad, glazed donut, and like ranch dressing. Ew. Alright guys, that's the podcast for this week. Uh, sounds like a fear factor challenge. If you want to <laughs> join us on our Facebook group, go to Facebook and type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries in the group section. And uh, we ought to pop up. There's some cool shit in there, man. Can't tell you about it, but you got to see for yourself. Um, If you want to support me and Mike on Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. You can donate, get the podcast early. There's some uh, bonus stuff that we've recorded on there that you can listen to. Um, And finally, if you want to view Mike, if you always liked me and Mike, but maybe you like Mike a little more, or you like me a little more, and you want to see us separately, us do our separate things, you can check us out on our YouTube channels. That, uh, wow, the ice cream truck is... I gotta, <laughs> I gotta witness this. Oh, wow. Can you hear that? A little bit. Damn. I thought I thought that was like a thing of the past. The ice cream trucks coming down the road. Yeah. <laughs> Even doing the dun da dun da 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 dun da dun. Bad timing for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, You're just staring out the window with your tongue hanging out. Just. <sighs> what a wholesome uh, job, ice cream truck driver. Anyway, uh, you can check out me and Mike's YouTube channels. <laughs> Uh, Mike is youtube.com slash OCP communications. He's a movie guy. He mainly reviews movies. Mike, what was the last thing you did? I reviewed Godzilla, King of Monsters, King of the Monsters. The latest Godzilla movie. Oh, how was it? It's above average. It's fun. Uh, I I definitely feel it could have been better, but I thought it was an improvement over the last Godzilla film, which I call Goddamn Zilla because it's a goddamn disappointment. 
But um, that wasn't the, hear my uh, thoughts about that wasn't the '98 one, right? No, it was the 2014 one. The '98 one, it gets a lot of shit, and I get it, but I I still find it entertaining. I I I I like that film. Maybe it's part of it, you know, part a little bit of its nostalgia because it, it is one of the first Godzilla movies I saw. Yeah, I saw that um, one in and theaters. Also, yeah, I saw it at the drive-in actually. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, yep, go check check out Mike and his uh, movie reviews. If you want to check out my channel, it's youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Um, he did a really fun video late, lately. Oh, is the ice cream truck coming back my way? <laughs> bum, bum, ba, dun, dun. All around the mulberry bush, something, something, something. Yeah, he's coming back this a way. A little scattered. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I do videos on distracted by ice cream over <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> I do uh, music uh, videos on like uh, music related topics, uh, like kind of historical music things. Uh, I do it on current things. Like one of my videos is why is live rap music so awful? I go in depth about that. And then he did one recently about the top ten, uh, well, not top ten, but the most disliked uh, videos on YouTube. And he kind of went into why. I really enjoyed that one. Thank you. Nice job with that video. Appreciate it. Hopefully it gets uh, more views. It's doing... You think it would? It's doing... For my channel, it's doing average. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was... Yeah, so if, you, if you're if ever curious... I can see why it was painful for you to do research Oh, God, that. dude. Having a look... Not only look at the most disliked music video... Or the most disliked YouTube videos. It's one thing to have to watch the whole video and try to get an understanding of why it's so disliked. But then, like, having to go on... To read the comments. Go on the channel and see what else, you know, like, the person did. And do, like, some research into James Charles and Tati. And it's like, ah, I hate all you people. You all suck. Watch some more uh, um, videos by Jake Paul. Yeah, I had to go on to fucking PewDiePie's channel. Like, that guy's so annoying. Like, I don't get... Yeah, I, I, I don't get his... I don't, fa- I, I don't get why he's so I don't, popular not only, I never understood that. Not only his fan base, but all the fucking people who white knight for him so hardcore. It's like, what? Yeah, the Pewds army or whatever. Well, it's like, like, nobody is allowed to say anything critical of PewDiePie or else people will go after you, like, yeah. big time. Like, big YouTubers yeah. will go after you and, like, it's like he's like the spokesman for like the the uh, edge lords or the youtube uh-huh. like the youtube underground or something like he, i don't yeah. i don't get it but i think his content's annoying as fuck i think he needs to get on some ritalin and he needs to chill the fuck out like he's a spaz like i don't i don't s- <laughs> apparently spaz is like a very big insult in like either scotland or ireland like if you call it's not it doesn't have the same connotations. Yeah, because I just think of it like it's a weak insult now. You know, it's the kind of thing that happened in the 80s. Like, you're such a spaz, dude. Well, it's, it's you know? someone who's like, like too hyperactive and, and just, you know, needs to chill the fuck out. It was out. like a nerd thing. Yeah, like a nerdy, hyperactive person is like a spaz, but apparently in it was either Scotland or Ireland, it's like calling someone like, you know, mentally retarded, but in a derogatory wow. way or something. Well, it's kind of like, you know, the peace symbol mm-hmm. in a certain way. In a different country is is the middle finger. Well, yeah, in England, if you if you yeah. do the peace sign, like, but your fingers facing out, and then you rotate your wrist to where your fingernails are facing the person, like a little swish thing. That's like, uh-huh. uh, fuck you. Or or yeah. I think if you you all you have to do is just hold up the two fingers, but you're holding it yeah. backwards to where your fingernails are facing. Them. From uh-huh. my understanding, that means fuck you in England. 
So that's what it kind of looked like, because uh, you, you know that Nixon would do that a lot. <laughs> well, he Nixon did it because Nixon did it because uh, to quote Nixon, it it uh, it it upset the hippies or it made the hippies angry when <laughs> when hips. When, I can totally see that. Yeah, because you know that was their that was their sign, and Nixon was doing it. Who was like the antithesis of so he's, yeah. of all things hippie. So. Yeah, and he 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 got off to the fact that it made the hippies angry. Fuck those hippies! No, I can I can respect <laughs> that pissing off hippies. I can respect that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I, that's it, man. I'm fucking starving, and my friend still hasn't come over to get this fucking game. So now I can't go and get my sandwich. I have to wait for him to come over here and get his game, so then I can go get my fucking sandwich. And now I'm in hunger purgatory. He owes you a sandwich. Yes, he does. But uh, yeah, until next week, guys, uh, have a good rest of your day and or night. Goodbye. Don't cry. And please don't die. See ya. So now we've come to the point in the podcast where I'm going to promote my band, Dancing with Ghosts. We are on Spotify and anywhere else that you want to stream music. So please give us a listen. And if you like what you hear, consider supporting our band. You can buy limited editions of our physical CDs and uh, T-shirts in the description to this podcast. And uh, we just appreciate you checking out the band and giving it a chance. And now here is a little clip of some of our music. Someone touch a tied up. As goes the night. I feel the slip in this abyss. Handcrafted cage, my skull, I cannot stand. You cannot stand.